Hello, and welcome to Tech Talks in the Silicon Forest, a podcast presented by ProFocus Technology, an award-winning technology staffing and consulting company. On this episode, we are excited to introduce our new co-host, Jerry Gabe. Jerry is a talented client solutions manager at ProFocus, working with companies to solve their tech talent challenges. On this episode, Jerry sits down with Scott Roth, CEO at LegitScript, They discuss everything from leading tech companies through their awkward teenage years, the spicy underworld of online payments, to the skills and attributes needed to thrive in the rapid tech ecosystem. This is an episode you definitely won't want to miss. So let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Tech Talks in the Silicon Forest. I'm your host, Jerry Gobby, and today I am thrilled to speak with Scott Roth, currently CEO at Logiscript and a leading tech executive in the Portland area for many years. Logiscript makes the internet and online payments safer for legitimate businesses and their customers by uniting comprehensive big data and unparalleled, unparalleled human expertise to weed out criminal activity and ethical practices. They work where the need is greatest, in highly regulated and complex sectors, including pharmaceuticals, online gambling, intellectual property, and more. Logiscript is trusted by the world's largest search engines, e-commerce platforms, payment companies, and regulatory agencies in countries around the world, and is headquartered here in Portland, Oregon. I'm really excited to have you here today, Scott. Welcome to the show. Uh, Thanks. Uh, Thanks for having me, Jerry. It's uh, great to be here. And uh, just briefly, I want to mention that this personally is a a big deal for me. Scott and I have been able to collaborate a couple of times in various contexts over the years uh, in different roles before Logiscript and uh, before my current path to the ProFocus podcast stardom. Um, But I'm really excited that we have the opportunity to cross paths again today, Scott. So thank you again. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Yeah, it's fun fun that uh, our uh, paths have aligned multiple times, which is fantastic. I love it. Scott, briefly tell us a little bit more about your path to becoming a CEO at LegitScript. Sure. Um, yeah, so I, uh, I actually did kind of my undergrad. Uh, I grew up in the Midwest, uh, so just in the St. Louis area. Um, I did undergrad back there. I actually played basketball uh, through college and did an undergrad degree in marketing. And then after uh, college was done, I started out my career in sales. And uh, started selling uh, payroll processing and HR kind of outsourcing for ADP and uh, ultimately decided that I really wanted to go back um, and do my MBA full time. It was something that, you know, I think for me, it was, I always kind of wanted to get into more of kind of corporate strategy and, you know, where things are going with a company. And so while I actually really liked sales and kind of, you know, really enjoyed my time there and kind of was, you know, kind of natural to that side of things. Um, I really wanted the NBA to be kind of a catalyst for me to change trajectory as far as my career. And so I was really excited and interested in kind of the areas of product management and product marketing. And so um, I was like, I'm going to go back, do my MBA, uh, and then hopefully kind of get into that area and was really excited about kind of technology. 
And so I ultimately um, ended up at Portland State University. I actually had some relatives who lived in the area here and had visited and just kind of, you know, fell in love, mostly because I visited Portland in the summer uh, when the weather was <laughs> was super nice. Um, but I knew I wanted to go to a school that was right kind of, you know, in the heart of the city that I wanted to live. And so I ended up at Portland State and just absolutely loved my experience there. Um, had a great time, uh, did my degree, did my master's degree in business administration uh, with an emphasis and focus on management of innovation and technology. And so um, that really kind of helped uh, get me kind of into the world that I'm in today. And then have just been super fortunate over the years to get some great work experience for some amazing technology companies. I started my uh, kind of postgraduate career uh, with Web Trends, which was kind of one of the the OGs of the technology world and landscape here in the Portland area. Um, had a great couple of years with them. Uh, I then went on to an amazing company called Exact Target, which was a digital marketing platform, um, and that was really kind of a career defining place for me. I joined the company uh, when we had about 200 employees, and about five years later, we had grown to 2,000 employees had opened up locations across the globe, had acquired multiple companies. Um, we ultimately took the company public uh, on the New York Stock Exchange and then were acquired by Salesforce. Um, and ExactTarget now is the Salesforce marketing cloud. So a key pillar of what they do. Um, and then had an opportunity to go to a, a Salesforce partner, a company called ReturnPath as their chief marketing officer um, and then we re kind of positioned the company into three business units. And I was fortunate enough to uh, be chosen by the CEO to run one of those three business units. And so that was kind of my CEO in training uh, opportunity. And so had a great uh, opportunity to really learn from this amazing CEO, a guy by the name of Matt Blumberg. Um, and then uh, really kind of stumbled into an opportunity uh, to take over as CEO at JAMA Software and partner with uh, Eric Winquist, who was the founder of JAMA, um, and was really kind of looking to bring the next person on to help the company go through the next chapter of growth and scalability for them. And so just absolutely loved my experience partnering with Eric, um, taking everything from his brain and his subject matter expertise and knowledge but really being able to apply that with kind of my go-to-market and operational background and experience um, for kind of like this one plus one equals three type of equation. Um, and so I did that for four years and ran uh, JAMA uh, and then, you know, had the opportunity to do it all over again. Uh, and so uh, it's kind of a long way of saying that, uh, you know, that's what got me to LegitScript was another similar opportunity uh, to partner with an amazing founder, a guy by the name of John Horton, um, and really kind of do the same thing. John had led our company uh, for the first chapter and phase of growth and was an amazing entrepreneur and had gotten the company to a great level um, and really was looking for, you know, the next person to partner with to help the company continue to succeed and grow. And uh, we're trying to make that a one plus one equals five equation this time around. Um, by being able to leverage the best of both of us. Yeah, that's excellent. And it sounds like uh, it's a, sort of a similar context uh, in at least in the sort of the growth phase of the company as you entered with JAMA. I've heard you mention before that you're uh, a master of the, the awkward teenage years 
yeah. uh, of these companies. <laughs> yeah, the messy middle, the awkward teenage years where you're, uh, yeah, you're no longer a startup, um, but you're not a, you know, mature enterprise by any means. And you're, yeah, trying to navigate through, you know, how do you, how do you kind of operationalize a lot of your procedures? How do you go to market in new uh, geographies and expand from that perspective? Maybe you've got one product in market, but you want to expand and have multiple products. Um, I just kind of have found that to be my jam. Um, and I also just kind of love like that size of company too, where you've got, you know, call it 100 to 250 or 300 employees, you know, you're you're big enough to get a lot of things done, but you're also still small enough to like to know everybody and mm -hmm. to really connect with everybody across the company. And I just really, yeah, I'm really drawn to that size and stage of company. Yeah, I know that's a big uh, uh, deal for you is to be able to connect with everybody, is to be able to have, you know, a personal relationship with everybody on your team and such. Um, and I know that's something you strive for at LegitScript as well. Let's let's talk a little bit more about uh, LegitScript. I know LegitScript is not brand new. It's been around for a little while. So I'd love to hear just a little bit about how LegitScript came about. Maybe uh, John's kind of founding story or at least at least sure. the, the Cliffs Notes. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, yeah, so you're right. So as a company, we've actually been around now for about 12 years. And um, the company kind of origins actually stem back to some work that John was doing beforehand. Um, he uh, actually had a really kind of successful career and made his way into the White House. And so he uh, worked as a part of the second Bush administration and was really kind of working in D.C. Um, in a period of time where the Internet was kind of booming and coming online in the early 2000s. And so part of John's role was to be kind of that liaison between the White House and the Food and Drug Administration and helping them uh, figure out, you know, there were a lot of really, really bad actors and these rogue Internet pharmacies that were using this new platform of the Internet to be able to kind of prey on American consumers by either selling, you know, pharmaceutical, like prescription grade drugs without a prescription, or maybe selling drugs that were authorized for use in some other country, but were not authorized for use uh, in the United States um, to American citizens. And because the, you know, the internet was kind of borderless as far as how that works, um, it was a huge problem and it still today is a, a big problem that we continue to fight. Um, but that was kind of the origin of the company is after John's time in DC wrapped up, he was like, I think there's really um, an opportunity here to help um, internet platforms uh, where these bad actors may be, a, may be preying on their consumers. And so um, he really kind of spent a ton of time really kind of mapping out these bad actors and getting behind some of the criminal networks that sat behind them and being able to surface this uh, for, you know, large uh, search engines who were accepting advertising revenue from a lot of these nefarious uh, bad actors. And so that was really kind of the origin of how the company was born to be able to help companies that, you know, quite frankly, didn't want this happening on their platform, but maybe didn't have the expertise or the uh, technical capability to be able to identify all of it and take it down. And so that was kind of uh, the origin on which LegitScript was born. That's fascinating. Yeah, that's, uh, 
you know, something we never really think about, but I'm sure is, is just rampant and uh, kind of happening behind the scenes every day. Affects us all probably, right? Um, yeah. In terms of like how Logitscript actually does this though, I mean, it sounds like an enormous undertaking. So how, how is the company sort of structured and how do you go about uh, actually uh, attacking these, these threats or at least identifying and mitigating the, the risks? For sure, for sure. Um, so yeah, so first of all, our company has definitely, um, you know, expanded and evolved a ton over the years from kind of this original use case. Um, and so, you know, the way that we structure things, um, and first of all, before I dive into that, like what I what I always love to talk about is our mission as a company. So our yes. mission uh, as a company is to make the internet and payment ecosystem safer and more transparent. And uh, what I find so cool about that is like every one of our employees just is so fired up about that. And so um, it's really exciting to be able to come to work, to have that mission and to be a part of those efforts. Um, and so, you know, what we do is we, we've structured this into kind of three primary, um, you know, product lines. So the first product line is one that we call platform monitoring. And that's really kind of built off those origins of the original part of the company is where we are partnering with large um, internet platforms, search engines, social media companies, uh, e-commerce platforms, the likes of Google, Facebook, uh, Amazon. And we kind of become an extension of their risk and compliance teams or their trust and safety teams to help them identify commercial behavior that is happening on the platform that is either, you know, against their terms of service or against the government uh, regulations of where they're operating. And so um, that's kind of the first pillar is helping those internet platforms be able to go do that. Uh, we then have extended that into the payments world. And so we are working with very large uh, payment processors, acquiring banks, who are essentially providing the ability for merchants to process credit cards. And so when you are an entity who does that, you then have the responsibility to ensure that the merchants that you bring on with your payment capabilities um, are not using that to process the sale of illegal goods and services. And so in a very similar way, um, we take the portfolio of merchants that might be using Square, for example's payment processing technologies, and uh, we then help them monitor those merchants to make sure that they are who they say they are and that they're processing payments for um, the things that uh, they should be doing it for and not any illegal products or services or things that are against, again, their terms of service. Um, and then the third pillar of the business, which I think is just really, really cool as well, is, you know, in those first two areas, we're helping identify the bad actors or the risky behaviors that are problematic and helping the platforms to take those down or to mitigate them in some manner. The flip side of that equation is we as a company have created industry recognized certification programs so that the legitimate merchants and providers of these goods and services in a few high risk areas, uh, one in kind of telemedicine, one in, in online pharmacies, one for drug and alcohol treatment centers, another one for CBD merchants, um, we allow them to go through a process 
of getting legit script certified where we vet your business and your business practice practices look at all your licensure and make sure that you're acting kind of above board and then we give you um, kind of the legit script seal of approval uh, and then submit to ongoing monitoring so that those merchants can operate uh, on search engines and e-commerce platforms and payment processors uh, without incurring any friction uh, in their business. And so it's a really um, interesting element where kind of all three of those, while we're, we're engaging with different parts of the market, um, they all three kind of build off each other and kind of support each other as far as how they work together. Yeah, it sounds like it. The certifications uh, piece, the last leg sounds really fascinating. It sounds kind of like a game changer because you're actually potentially working uh, with people that will, you know, continue to, to find the value in being your client because of the, yeah, exactly. Because you're providing service to their, their clients, right? Exactly. And it's, uh, it's one where, you know, this seal of approval, it really helps with consumers to have trust in them that, you know, they are who they say they are, that you can trust that, you know, their business practices have been vetted and, um, it's definitely an element of where we feel like, uh, you know, not only is it good for us to be able to help then kind of monitor the bad guys um, by knowing who the good guys are, but we're also kind of providing this service for consumers at large um, to yeah. be able to just have a much more transparent and trusty, trusting relationship with the folks that they're doing business with. Totally, totally. And that goes back to your, your, your mission, right? Um, exactly. So this, again, it's, it's a lot and uh, your company's kind of built to do this, but where does the tech come in? I mean, this isn't all only humans doing all of this, right? How does that, how do they come together? For sure. For sure. Um, we are a, a very intentional combination of technology, data, and human expertise. And so those are kind of the three kind of uh, things that we weave together in everything that we do and how we engage with our clients. And so from a, you know, a, a technology perspective, you know, there's kind of a couple of different buckets or categories of what we're doing. So first of all, what we're doing is we have built kind of web crawlers and scrapers that are constantly going out and literally on a daily basis, they are scouring hundreds of thousands of websites and pulling back millions of data points um, that we are then using as a part of our analysis. So kind of step one is to go out and gather that data and information. Uh, step two is to really bring that back in and manage that data. Because as you can imagine, like we're, we're working with massive sets of data. It's been growing. I mean, this is something that we're doing now for, you know, going on 13 years. And so um, we have been really kind of mapping this merchant ecosystem and our data continues to grow and continues to evolve. So there is a lot of work that happens behind the scenes to be able to, to manage and optimize and store the data in a way that we're able to then leverage it, which leads to step three, uh, which is having advanced technology uh, to be able to go through that data and to provide um, insights uh, to either our clients directly or to our team of analysts that might be serving and working on a client's behalf. And so we are constantly trying to stay up to date with the latest and greatest in 
natural language processing and machine learning and artificial intelligence to be able to, you know, do whatever we can to really just kind of work through that data and provide what we call actionable intelligence. That's the, the last thing that our clients want is a bunch of noise and a bunch of false positives because quite frankly, they could go get that on their own. Um, if they wanted to just go, you know, set up crawlers and scrapers, like they could do that, but it's really the actionable intelligence that we are able to give through the combination of 13 years of expertise um, and then advanced technology applied onto that um, that really is kind of a game changer for us to be able to give, you know, really, really prescriptive uh, risk indicators for any merchant behavior that might be happening out there. That's fascinating. You mentioned uh, as a potential use case, uh, and I think even just now, um, using this for, you know, the actual decisioning processes of your analysts as they're going through and deciding on the risk factors and, and such. Can you talk a little bit about that and how, how that uh, will affect your, your own team? For sure, for sure. You know, that's something that we are constantly looking to improve is how do we really tap into the, the deep knowledge that our analysts hold and remove kind of the mundane tasks that might go along with their work. And so what we are doing um, actively right now and will continue to do into the future is say, you know, how can we automate and use advanced technology to help with decision-making but um, do that in a way that is in support of our analysts, um, not really in replacement of our analysts, because, you know, with the subject matters that we're working in and, you know, obviously we started in healthcare, like I, like I mentioned, but we're now um, doing active work over 60 different high risk verticals. And so because of the nuances of all of these different industry verticals, because of working in multiple geographies across the globe, um, it's impossible for the technology to just do that all. And so we know that having an amazing team of analysts that are knowledge workers um, is really a competitive advantage for us in how do we, again, provide the highest quality data and insights to our clients. And so that's really the focus of how we think about technology is how can it be an accelerator for us? How can it, you know, take out some of the more mundane and routine things that analysts are asked to do and free them up to use their amazing brains that they have uh, and the continued growth of subject matter expertise of watching this stuff happen over the years um, to really, you know, go that extra mile for our clients, but also then be the inputs into the next round of technology. And they, you know, it's an, it's a really cool opportunity that we have because we've been doing this for 13 years and we're not starting up from scratch. We can feed all of that learning into the engine and make the results that much better. Yeah, that's really fascinating. I, th I feel like we could dive uh, into the implications of all of that for a whole podcast episode, probably. But uh, I, I do want to uh, talk a little bit more about exactly what these threats are, right? I mean, it's clear that there's there's opportunities for you know mismanagement and, and uh, misrepresentation in e-commerce and all of that sort of thing. But I would love to hear some of the juicy details. Like, who are, who are these people? What are they doing? Like, why? What are what are some of the the major threats out there? 
Yeah, you know, so there's so many stories. How to even like, distill this into just a couple? I mean, I, I guess before I share a couple of anecdotes, the I guess the the main way that I think you need to think about this is there's definitely a lot of the problematic behavior is very intentional um, criminal behavior that's happening. And it's because they see a financial opportunity that they are going to try to take advantage of something or someone. And so that, you know, unfortunately happens a lot in the world. And quite frankly, we've seen that happening even more as a part of the pandemic that we've been going through. Unfortunately, the, the fraudsters and the bad actors they are active in good times. They are really, really active in bad times because they see vulnerabilities in people um, that they can take advantage of. And so a lot of the behavior is, like I said, um, intentional criminal behavior that's happening from bad actors. Some of the behavior is really just risky behavior of people that are pushing the envelope too far. And, you know, maybe they are applying one approach uh, blanket across the globe, but not looking into the different jurisdictions that they might be operating, or maybe they were, you know, selling products in one category, and then they kind of drifted into this other category, but have taken it too far uh, because of what's legal or what's permitted on the platforms. And so that's another side of it is, you know, people who aren't necessarily, you know, the criminals that we would think of, but people that are just, you know, getting aggressive in some of their mm -hmm. business practices. Um, you know, from a standpoint of, you know, thinking about some examples, I mean, a lot of it that we see are, you know, advertisements uh, for products and services that are illegal. Um, and, you know, I think one of the biggest practices that we see happening, especially in our merchant monitoring world, um, is this concept that's called transaction laundering. And, what transaction laundering is, it's really a tactic that the criminals have used over time to say, okay, I can't, you know, I can't show up in my, show up to my local bank um, or even, you know, go to a big payment processor and just tell them that I want to be able to accept credit cards for the sale of illegal pharmaceuticals. <laughs> They're going to be like, okay, no way, get out of here. That's not going to work. We're not, you're not going to make it through underwriting. But um, what they could do is show up uh, and apply for a merchant account and say that I'm going to set up an online shoe store. And um, the shoe store is what I'm going to be using your credit card processing capability for. And so um, they even create kind of fake websites to be able to show that, you know, this is what they're doing and what they're selling. But the reality is once they get their hands on that merchant account and the ability to process credit cards, they are then using that to accept payments on the 15 other websites that they have that are selling illegal pharmaceuticals or firearms or, you know, you name it, all of the stuff that they wouldn't be able to get approved for uh, in that underwriting process. And so that is one of the techniques that is just rampant and happening a ton today that our team uh, has just also gotten really skillful at being able to detect. Um, and there really is kind of an investigative element to this where we are using technology, we're using you know test buys and purchases that we're making at these various stores that have been set up. Um, and we're kind of constantly scraping and networking, okay, here is one entity that has registered 45 different domain names. What's up with that? Um, and so we take all of these different inputs 
uh, and be able to identify, hey, you know, I think you've got something on your hands where somebody, you know, unfortunately signed up for your payment processing capabilities, but is probably using it for things that you would not approve of. And, you know, in that case, we alert uh, whoever the client is that we're working with, and then they can go, you know, take those down or try to mitigate things with them as far as how that works. Fascinating. So do you, do you have a, a sort of like an, a log or a catalog of, of where these uh, actors are operating from and, and, you know, where those risk uh, elements are, are highest? We do. And I mean, that is, uh, you know, something that we are looking at them from, a, you know, geography based of where they're based out of. We're looking at what domain registrars they're registering and then hosting these domain names with. Um, and that's actually a big value proposition that we can provide to our clients is that, you know, when you first start with LegitScript and you start to submit your merchants to us, a lot of times we probably have already seen some of these folks before. And so we definitely do our best to retain all of that information so that we can, you know, spot these folks immediately because it's kind of like a constant game of whack-a-mole. If they get kicked off of one domain server, you know, or one hosting company, they'll go to another hosting company. If they got kicked out of Square, they'll go to Stripe and then they'll go to the next one. And, mm -hmm. you know, they're, they're constantly bouncing around. And that's something that we have to stay on top of. And because we've got an amazing data asset to be able to track and map all these network affiliations, it's something that we're able to stay on top of. I mean, Logiscript is definitely doing really, really critical work, it sounds like, right? Because all of us are, are buying stuff online these days and more and more. Um, and this is only going to become more and more important, right? And uh, the, as you said, the, the bad actors are uh, operating. Uh, if they're operating uh, actively in good times, just imagine what they're doing in, in tough times. And yeah, and times are weird and tough. So uh, I commend all of your work there. It's really, it sounds like a really exciting time for you all. Uh, tell us more about, about the team at, uh, at LegitScript. Why, where are you now? Where are you going? And why is it an interesting time to, to come aboard? Sure, sure. Yeah, I love, that's a topic I love talking about. I love the team that we have. Um, and yeah, you know, we've been going through a, a great period of growth. Um, so I, you know, started, as I mentioned earlier, kind of in the intro, started with the company as CEO uh, about 18 months ago. So I started with the company in June of 2020. And um, we were at about 120 employees and we're approaching 200 employees here now at the end of 2021. So over the last 18 months, we've had a significant um, period of growth. And, you know, the thing that I love about that is, um, you know, well, so first of all, when I, when I first joined uh, the company, uh, one of the things that I wanted to do is just get a chance to know everybody. You know, why did they come to the company? Why have they stayed at the company? What do they like? What do they not like? What's working? What's not working? And so I did 120 Zoom sessions uh, just to get a chance to speak one-on-one -on -one with everyone. And a couple of the big things that I heard was, you know, I came to LegitScript primarily because of the mission. And the reason that I have stayed here is the combination of the mission and the work and the people that I get to work with on a daily basis. And, you know, we just fortunately have an amazing group of people that are highly mission oriented, that are highly collaborative. And, uh, 
we're in it together um, to be able to go bring our mission to life. And so it's not a it's not a cutthroat environment where people are kind of walking all over each other to try to advance their career. And I think what's so cool about our growth is that it, you know, when you start to grow at that pace, you really start to open up so many new opportunities for your existing employees. Um, if they want to, you know, maybe they're an individual contributor and they aspire to move into management or they're working in one function, but now we've stood up this other part of the business that is interesting to them and they want to go round out their skill set as a part of that. Um, that's one of the things that's great about growth companies is that you oftentimes have a lot of opportunity for movement and for folks who, you know, don't want to be doing the same thing every single year. Uh, our company is constantly reinventing ourselves uh, to be able to make this growth happen. And so I, um, I just love that about the environment. And I think that I, our employees are really feeling the benefit of that from a personal professional growth perspective. Like the, the sky's the limit as far as where you want to, to take things. And yeah, I think that's a really, I'm really excited to be able to help provide that platform so that our, our employees, you know, not only are they just, are they getting a, you know, a good paycheck, but they are also getting to do like really good thought provoking work and also having an opportunity to really advance their career because of some of the growth that our company is experiencing. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Logiscope is another one of the these homegrown Portland companies that's you know starting to hit its stride, and we've we've had uh, plenty through the years that have, I think, really helped uh, create a strong ecosystem of te of techies and and uh, entrepreneurial resilient folks, right? Um, sure. So in in that regard, uh, I think folks would be really excited to learn a little bit more about what it takes to thrive at Logiscope. What are you looking for? What types of people are you hoping to bring aboard in the next? a uh, year or so as you, as you continue to grow? Yeah, uh, it's a great question. Um, I think, you know, what it takes is it takes someone who is um, intellectually curious, uh, somebody who has kind of a, a growth mindset um, and is really kind of up for tackling challenges, you know, head on uh, and doesn't kind of shy away from that. I think it's uh, in a similar way, it really takes someone who uh, is resilient um, to change and someone who quite frankly leans into change and sees that as an opportunity and not a threat. Um, and I think it takes someone who's, you know, willing to strike that right balance of working hard, but also having fun. Uh, and that's something that's, you know, really important for me is, you know, we're not, we're not asking for people to come in and like clock in nine to five, like we are asking people to put in significant time and energy to their work, but we also want them to be well-rounded people and we want them to have, you know, good lives in addition to work. And so uh, I think that's, you know, one of the things that we really strive to provide is kind of that flexibility of you, you know, doing the job and kind of, you know, doing what it takes to succeed in this environment but also making sure we take time to have fun together and to so celebrate success and um, to really kind of recognize that with every uh, ounce of hard work that goes into it, you've got to have some downtime to restore yourself and to make sure that you're not burning out on the other side of the equation. Yeah, absolutely. And these days, uh, now that our teams are, you know, a little bit more distributed and segmented, 
it's it's hard to have those moments of like mutual you know celebration sometimes right you have to be a lot more intentional or you have to search them out uh, potentially and i think uh, you know it just sounds to me like a lot of the attributes that you just mentioned that you're really looking for to bring aboard at Logiscript right now are attributes that are, that are important for uh, all of us that are kind of making this transition from like the old world to the new world kind of a little bit. So maybe there's some parallels there, uh, you know, between what it takes to thrive in, you know, a growth stage company in the awkward teenage years uh, with what it will take to thrive in, you know, the future of work as we continue to evolve uh, and our yeah. workplaces continue to evolve. What do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. I mean, I think that um, I actually think there's a lot of parallels with, I mean, think about how every company has been, you know, had to pivot and find their own way amidst this pandemic. So, you know, um, teenage uh, technology companies are constantly doing that. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I think that a lot of what everybody has gone through over the last year and a half is kind of the norm of how to operate. And so um, I actually really hope that, um, you know, that stays to some extent. I mean, obviously I don't want the, the downside and the terrible part of what's come from the pandemic and everything else that's gone on over the last, um, two years, but hopefully there's a good side that, you know, companies can see how to embrace that entrepreneurial spirit, even if they're a mature and large enterprise. And, you know, how do they, um, you know, shake things up a little bit from time to time to make sure that they're not getting stagnant in how they're serving their customers or how they're operating internally or how they're engaging with their teams. Um, like, let's not wait for the next pandemic to come to throw that that monkey wrench at us. Let's actually like, let's go make some of that happen on our own and take advantage of the opportunities that come from that. Yeah. And uh, I think, you know, as you mentioned, uh, it's it's more like a forward a forward looking perspective, potentially. Right. Like, how can we, you know, proactively uh, maybe advance in those directions. So, and, and maybe in that, in that sense, what, what do you see are maybe some trends or some, some top, uh, some uh, obstacles that we might have to start being proactive in, in t keeping an eye out for? Yeah. Um, I mean, I don't think, uh, I, I have a couple of thoughts about that. And I don't think that any of these are necessarily new concepts altogether, but maybe, things that I feel like are more important now than they've ever been before. And I guess I would think about a couple of different categories. Number one would be just the importance of culture and having a company culture that is resilient, that is trusting, um, that is, you know, one that can roll with the punches and can pivot and evolve and uh, is really kind of that culture that's intellectually curious and embracing change I think that that is something that is more important now than ever uh, for companies to embrace. Um, the second part I would say is, you know, how do you really enable and embrace knowledge workers um, and really leverage the benefit that humans bring to the table? You know, I think there's a lot of there's a lot of fear out there, quite frankly, about machine learning and artificial intelligence and how that will you know, take over the world. And I'm sure we could probably have another podcast. I would suggest you bring a podcast with someone who's way smarter than I am <laughs> uh, on those topics to talk about that part. But I think that it's such an amazing 
catalyst and enabler of the knowledge worker. And that's really the, what gets me excited about is, like I talked about earlier, how do we embrace new modern technology to enable and equip our humans to use the amazing brains that they have in their head um, and really just do way more value-added work than quite frankly had happened in the past. Um, and so I think that's a super important thing for folks to be thinking through at this point in time. And then the last one um, that I think, again, we've all had to live through this, through this pandemic is just the importance of having genuinely strong, trusted relationships with your customers and knowing them at kind of a deeper level so that it's not a transactional relationship that you have, but that you're actually adding value to their life or to their business. Um, I think that if you had that in place going into the pandemic, um, a lot of those relationships have withstood uh, what's going on. And if it wasn't a true trusted relationship where there was a large value equation to it, that was more transactional. And when times got tough and you needed to make some changes, like those were the relationships that were probably first on the chopping block. And yeah. I think that is something that is here to stay. And again, something that companies really need to invest in. I mean, obviously, I think we all know from our marketing classes that it's a lot less expensive to go generate an incremental dollar from your existing client than it right. is a new client. And you know, I think the, the strength of your relationships uh, is can be really, really impactful to both the top and the bottom line of any business. So on that note, final question, uh, uh, your relationships at, at Logiscript are, are amazing. You guys obviously provide a lot of value to uh, a, a lot of really important and interesting companies. What are some of uh, your goals in terms of relationships and expansion and, and market share? Uh, those types of things. I don't want to go. Those are, those are big questions, but just a high level kind of uh, to wrap up, wrap us up here. Sure, sure. You know, well, so first of all, like we are extremely fortunate to just uh, have the opportunity to serve the needs of some of the world's largest uh, search engines, e-commerce platforms, payment companies, um, government entities and government agencies. And so, you know, from our standpoint, um, we see tremendous opportunity to continue to grow those existing client relationships, um, to continue to do more work for them, um, to bring on additional subject matters, to bring on additional geographies, um, to expand the scope of what we're doing for them and to you know, help them with other problems that maybe we're not helping with them today. Um, and then equally, um, you know, we want to uh, bring our mission to life, which again is to make the internet and payment ecosystem safer and more transparent. And we can't do that by just focusing on the existing platforms. We need to go work with all the rest of the platforms that are out there. And so, you know, that's what's super excited. I mean, obviously the internet, e-commerce and payments are changing and evolving so rapidly. And there's so many new entrants coming into the equation. Everybody wants to build you know, kind of the next Google, the next Facebook, the next Square, the next Stripe, the next Amazon, the next Alibaba. And so we're really excited about the growth potential of being able um, to serve, you know, large and small platforms that are out there that are going through this growth and evolution. 
but would need some help uh, making sure that we can keep their platforms safe for consumers. Um, and that's, you know, I guess maybe the final note on that, you know, one of the, the anecdotes that I heard from talking with all of our employees when I first came on board is that they take a lot of pride in knowing that because of their work, um, they are maybe helping uh, their family members, you know, not fall for suspicious behavior. I mean, there's so many horror stories out there about people who have gotten their ha hands on bad uh, drugs and medications because they bought it from a bad pharmacy or um, all of these just terrible things. I mean, obviously the the mundane and benign to some extent is the, you know, the people who bought fake Legos like my, my son did. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but even that's, you know, a problem because, you know, typically in those type of instances, you know, there are people working somewhere to actually make those knockoff products that are living in bad conditions and are operating at just terrible margins. And so, you know, even though that product might just seem not that big of a deal, when you kind of unpack the stories that sit behind it, um, it's easy to understand why our employees would be really fired up and motivated to come do, do the work that we do. Absolutely. Thank you for ending on that note. That's that's fascinating and really, really important. And thank you for the work that you're doing uh, over there, Scott. We've we've had a great conversation today. I really appreciate you going through so many different topics with me, from uh, leadership to partnering with founders to forensic risk mitigation to culture building, uh, many important considerations for the future of work, and uh, certainly learned a lot about uh, LegitScript today. So uh, finally, how can listeners connect with you? How can they learn a little bit more uh, with you, uh, about Logiscript or uh, connect with you to learn uh, more about your path? Yeah, definitely. Um, uh, I would say main place, if you want to just go to Legitscript.com, um, we've got a great uh, blog on there that we're constantly updating with stories of the things that we're finding out in the ecosystem and helping to, to take down. And then also, um, I'm out on LinkedIn. That's probably the main platform that I use from a business perspective. So if you want to follow me on LinkedIn, that uh, works as well. Um, but yeah, Jerry, I was, I'm so grateful for uh, this opportunity. Thank you. As you could tell, I love talking about LegitScript and uh, the things that we're up to. So thank you for uh, providing the opportunity. And I hope it was helpful for your listeners. Absolutely. My pleasure. Yeah. Everybody's going to love this one, Scott. Thanks again for joining us today. And thanks everyone for joining us uh, for the Tech Talks in Silicon Forest podcast. Uh, until next time, I'm your host, Jerry Gobby, and this was Scott Roth from uh, Logiscript. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Tech Talks in the Silicon Forest. If you enjoyed the discussion, please subscribe to our channel, leave us a review, and tell your friends to listen. We'll see you next month.